everyone. It's April, and we're, Tony and I are here again this week to bring you guys some Veronica and talk a little bit about our pets and things. Um, I wanted to say that um, t- my dog, Guinness, he's doing really well. He, you know, he has the heart disease thing going on, and he's taking all those meds and everything for it. But I have to say the dementia is catching up a little bit. And it's been difficult um, to deal with him because he keeps forgetting what he's doing. So I finally got him into a good pattern. I, I, I'm more hands-on with him to guide him because he doesn't see well, doesn't hear well. Um, the only thing he's got left going for him is a snout. <laughs> so I try to make sure that that's uh, stimulated all the time. I put a lot of smells in front of him and stuff to, to keep him engaged. Um, he's a lover. All he wants to do is be with me, and he wants hugs all day long, which I'm glad to give. And I know this is, you know, we're coming into the twilight, and I'm just going to take every day like it's the last day and treat him special and treat him like the king he has, you know, learned to be. Uh, But his health and everything, otherwise he's taking his meds, he's doing it, eating his food. Um, I'm even giving him that coconut oil, which has helped. I believe, maybe about 20, 30% of his cognitive ability. Um, he's a little sharper with the coconut oil. I've been giving him like a, tea, a small teaspoon in the morning and a small teaspoon at night mixed in with his food. And it's been about a week now, and or maybe two weeks. And there is improvement. But all of you that have dogs that got, you know, dogs got old and started having all these health issues, it's just, Make sure that you stay attentive to their needs. Make sure that you go that extra step for them, just like you would if it were your grandpa or your dad. Um, the dementia stuff is a serious thing, and it happens to the best of us. So if you do have a dog that's elderly, make sure you take a lot of time. Give them coconut oil because <laughs> that seems to that really helped my dog. So now I remember this week I have a question. This is coming from Michael, and he said, what is the strangest, most interesting place you have visited while out of body? Well, I don't do a lot of uh, going to strange places because, you know, all of you know that I like to do my genealogy stuff while I'm doing this. So I end up going to, like, historic Tennessee, historic Virginia, (laughs) Um, you know, back in the 1800s, back in the 1700s to look around and see what my ancestors, you know, were doing and what they were doing. I could see them too. Um, I have not gone to other dimensional spaces very often. Once in a while I do, but it's mostly just the genealogy stuff because I feel like I've already got one foot out in the eternal when I'm channeling, and I feel like if I really engaged another odd place, I don't know how the energy would work to do that properly. So anyways, um the most interesting place for me has been, you know, ancient Tennessee because that's that's the place that I like to go to. But I do know there are other spaces. Maybe I'll make a point um, next time to uh, go out and go to some place that's interesting and then come back and do a report to all of you. So, Tony, how is it in Maine today? Wonderful, wonderful. Everything's good. The kids are good. Getting ready for summer rental season, which means it doesn't start till May, 
but April we open houses, air them out, and clean up after all the mice that were in there. Other than that, everything's good. Oh, well, good. All right. Well, I am going to go get Veronica, and you can talk and shuffle off to Buffalo like you do so well. I do it well, I know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show today. Um, you know, we got some great questions. I encourage you to write in to innerwhispersradio.com, and that's I-N-N-E-R, whispersradio.com. And uh, April had mentioned before, when you go there, at the very top, there's a top It says comments. Click on that, and you can write into April and Veronica. All right? So are you there, Veronica? Yes, we are. Good day to you. Good day to you. Our first question is coming from Paula. When we have a life review, are we embarrassed or ashamed by our life actions? Well, a life review is intended to remind you of what you did good and what you didn't do so good. It's an opportunity to look at how you struggled or didn't struggle with different items. We don't think that there's a lot of embarrassment or shaming because you also have to remember that you remember everything while you're in your life review. So it's not just the one life, it's one chapter. So the embarrassment part, we think, there's really nobody there to judge it um, besides yourself. So if you want to be embarrassed for yourself, we guess you can. But we think a lot of times, though, the life review is an eye-opener. It's an opportunity to look at something not in an emotional way, but in a very black-and-white logical way, and the opportunity to look at the emotion around all of it. But it's a little bit more methodical than looking at something and being embarrassed by it. It's more like you look at it and you go, boy, I could have done that better, and oh, my goodness, what what was I thinking there? But since there's not a big crowd, you know, judging you, it's you and your guide, <clears throat> there's not a lot of that embarrassment or shaming going on. Now, the internal look at yourself, everybody's looked at themselves in the mirror and went, what was that? <laughs> what were you thinking when you did that? Um there's a lot of that, maybe, but embarrassment or shame, no, because there's really nobody observing but yourself. So we say that a life review is actually a calming, wonderful thing, because of sometimes a lot of things will make sense. You'll be able to tie something to another life and say, oh, that's why I did that, because that happened over here. So we do think it's a very positive opportunity for any incarnate to go to the life review and take a look at everything from a very clear, calm way. Um, No embarrassment, no shame. Because there isn't one of you that has not made a few errors in judgment in your life. So decide that it's going to be okay and don't worry about, you know, anybody else's opinion or judgment. Okay, our next question is coming from Heather. Are spirit guides part of our carta? It's called a cadre. A cadre, cadre. 
we've talked about, this is from the Michael books. Um, a cadre is a group of energies that travel from life to life together. And this person, Heather, is asking, do sp- are spirit guides part of that? And we say, no, spirit guides come in for the life. A lot of times when you go into another life, they may not be available. It will be another spirit guide. Spirit guides don't usually travel life to life. They may circle around and come back to you in, in some related later life, but nothing, you know, like that. So they're not part of the cadre, so to speak. They come in individually. And a lot of the times they are also the spirit guides for the parallel lives. That happens too. And then there's sometimes where there is a guide for each parallel life, depending. So it can get confusing. It's a lot of information that's not linear. But spirit guides are not part of your cadre. Okay. Uh, Mary would like to know, does everyone have a spirit guide? Of course. It's very difficult to come into a thick, dense reality without some sort of uh, guidance. I mean, you can come in with your own roadmap, but everybody knows how sometimes you misread maps <laughs> or you can't read the map. And having a guide with you that knows you well, knows what you are intending to participate in, um, it's important to have one. And we'd say, be hard-pressed to find an incarnate that doesn't have a spirit guide. Maybe once in a blue moon, so to speak. But most of the time, just about every time, yes, everyone has a spirit guide. Okay, our next question from Virginia. What happens to our pets when they cross over? Their process is a bit different than a human one. A lot of times an animal, a domesticated animal, will come in to participate um, with an energy that they know well. When they cross over, they don't go to a life review. They go to a place of rest and repose. Now, some people in the linear call this, what is that, the rainbow bridge. There's been a linear designation of that. It's not a bridge so much. It is a space of participation where an animal can go to rest, to regain power, and to process anything that might have happened that was negative. Say it was an animal that had a hard time finding a home or a shelter dog of some sort. Those types of things do happen. Crosses, they go to this place for rest and repose. Nine times out of ten, a domesticated pet will be so interested in getting back to their human that they might skip the part of rest and repose and start working right away to come back. Because as we've told you, they do reincarnate just like humans do, but a slightly different process. When they cross, they are immediately loved, hung on to, and a lot of times they will immediately try to start coming back because dogs, cats, and other domesticated pets are very attached to their humans. So the process is the same. They reincarnate, but they don't reincarnate for their own development. They reincarnate for their human's development or to be with a human. So it's different, but the process is still the same with the reincarnational part. All right, Veronica, that was our last 
question. If you want to take a break and come back and give the message to the world, that would be great. All right. All right. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our show today. I always enjoy them for sure. I learned so much. Um, but I encourage you to write in to innerwhispersradio.com. Don't be shy, and we will try to get your question on the air. Are you there, Veronica? Yes, we are. Okay. So here we are, another week with the sun shining, blue sky. The world is evolving. The world is changing a bit. Sometimes growth is good. Sometimes growth is difficult. We want to encourage everyone to take the time to be in your reality without judgment, to be in your reality without fear, to be in your reality with kindness in your heart. Everything that you want in physical reality can be manifested. Going about it negatively is not the best choice. When you want to come into the reality and manifest and participate in your life lessons, it is much better to come in with an open awareness. Look at everything, participate in everything, and allow yourself to consider everything. When you come into the reality, it's really important to come in with your thoughts and focus calm and cool and collected, so to speak. Coming in with anxiety, coming in with nervousness, coming in with fear doesn't bode well for the life to be as productive as you want. So decide to be fearless whenever you can. There is nothing you should be afraid of in physical reality. Even the most harshest event oftentimes has a silver lining. Remember that you're here to learn and evolve. And by being calm and being focused, you will be able to accomplish that. Do not let fear come in the door. Things are changing. Things are there's things popping up all over the place. Don't be afraid of it. Be curious about it. Take a look at it and decide whether it works for you or it doesn't work for you. Do not be afraid. Fear is the worst enemy that you will ever have because it distorts the reality. So take every day and calm down a little bit and decide that you're going to be fearless. Decide that you're going to be aware and focused. And decide every day to find one thing that makes you happy and participate in it. It's, it's like eating a piece of chocolate. So decide that you're going to do that and decide that the life is going to be what you want it to be. Thank you, Veronica. That was a beautiful message. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the show today. We'll be back with you next week with more questions. Until then, bye-bye.